now I want to go now I want to uh, segue into the 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 letter um, with this because I love how Dr. King was very involved, very educated, but he wasn't he wasn't picking a political side, a a politic side. He was picking the side of the people based on biblical truth, right? And 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 before going into the letter, this is what I, I wanted to say because what you brought up, Andy, is very true. You know, when you said when you said that, you know, when people ask like where where in the Bible is it, you know, and you being shocked about that, about that question, like where where in the Bible is it, you know, to fight for and and what they say specifically is social justice. Now, if in all fairness, I think it's a valid question because it doesn't directly speak on social justice, right? The Bible speaks on justice. When we're talking about literal, right? Literally in in words, you don't see the word the words social justice together in the Bible. Not that I know of, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. Yeah, like, yeah, if you're literally reading it in English. Yes. Okay. You won't see social justice. But if you read it in Hebrew, then there's different words for justice. Mm -hmm. Um, And and now if you're a good Bible reader. Oh, um, got him. Then you'll you'll you won't just define words based off of their meanings in the dictionary. Yep. You'll define words in their literary context. Yes. Say that one more time. Say that one more time, Jeff. Like good Bible readers. I'm not saying you guys are bad Bible readers. I'm just saying (laughs) like good Bible readers don't just define words off of dictionary meanings because um, what you'll do there is you'll impose a meaning on the narrative. Yeah. Good Bible readers, what they'll do is they'll define words from the literary context. Yep. And and that's why that's where I wanted to go where I wanted to go with this because yes, you're not going to find it. You're right. If you're saying, yo, social justice is not in the Bible. Literally, you're right. It's not word for word in our English is not. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go in and you take and you keep in mind what God is doing, what God wants to do, Right. So when God says, like when God tells Abraham that he's going to bless the nations through him, that to me is a social impact. Right. Mm -hmm. That is a social impact. Right. Uh, There's a there's a scripture in Proverbs that I just read recently where it says God judges. uh, uh, He uses the word equity. So. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to misuse the word, but uh, or or the scripture. But it says it says something like it pretty much says God will judge everyone on a common ground, huh. right? That is social justice. Yeah. That is what social justice is mm-hmm. is is treating everybody equally, judging everybody equally, that everybody gets an equal opportunity in life, right? And I think if you if you see the narrative, if you see the scripture as a whole, if you see what Jesus, I think Jesus again. I've been bringing up this this passage because I I think it's so impactful. And and when we speak on this, 
but the woman being stoned, the, the woman that was going to be stoned. Jesus That's stepping right. in is Jesus stepping in for social justice, right? Because they were about to stone her in a very unjust way because they deserved it just as much as she did, mm. right? But because they were the privileged they were the privilege. They had the privilege of of being in a certain certain uh, stature, right? A certain position, a certain platform. They were able to pick up that that stone and say, "Yo, we're about to kill you, and we're about to punish you because of what you did." But then here comes here comes Jesus stepping in and and bringing. And, and bringing everybody and judging everybody in the common ground and saying, yo, you all deserve to die. You all deserve this. Yeah, needless so what, to say. So what we to about say to do? That, yeah, needless to say, like, the man wasn't even going to get stoned. Like, I'm, if, if I am receiving privilege, that's that's it right there. Like, yeah. the man, like, to commit right. adultery, is, it's, it's not just the woman. Like, and Jeff brought this up when, when we had that conversation with Mike and I was, and to be completely honest, I hadn't thought about it until when Jeff said it. And I was like, mm -hmm. yo, like that is, that is just wrong. Yeah. Like that's just wrong. Even if you just take that perspective. Right. The so, that the man had in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that, that great point, you know, so there is the Bible does speak on and, and, and shows us that social justice is something that God desires. And it's something that I think this is the one thing that we could all agree with, that all Christians agree with, that one day we will see justice as a whole fulfilled. Now, where, where we don't agree is what, it, what is the role that we're supposed to play in this? Do we, are, are we just playing the role of waiting for Jesus to come and hoping that Jesus comes soon so he could bring and fulfill that justice? Or are we saying, yo, when we pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. I'm being, I'm being a part of that. I'm, 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 God, use me to make that happen. Use me for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? So, and I think Dr. King exemplified that. Now, this is where we go. We're going to the letter, and I'm gonna let I'm gonna let yeah. Jeff run with this. But I want to say, can I just say this one thing that because I had this was my first time that I that I read this letter entirely, and understanding the context, right? Excuse me. Which Jeff, you can you can kind of give us a, a quick uh, description of the context, yeah. but. Yo, one of the things that I noticed that I was like, yo, Dr. King, like, I, I want to dive into everything about Dr. King. Like, like I might have to, I might have to just go to the, to the same school, the same seminary school that, that, uh, <laughs> Jeff went to just for that class, man. But look, one thing that I, that, that I was freaking amazed by was Dr. King's, uh, Sorry, Dr. King's preparation, Dr. King's like knowledge, Dr. King's uh, understanding of what needed to be done, Dr. King's uh, just level of like, there's no way you're not talking down to Dr. King type of thing. Like you're, you're not you're not going to be in a conversation with Dr. King 
and think you're talking to somebody that's ignorant about the matter. Like this man was educated. This man knew his stuff. And he, yo, I, I felt like sometimes, some moments in the letter, he was like a little witty with it. Like he was, he yeah. was like, yo, I see you. Like, so, you know, so uh, in a, in a, in a section where he's talking about responding to the, you know, who he was responding to, which Jeff is going to share right now, uh, who it is, he literally gave them like, he's like, yo, you know, in in any nonviolent campaign, there are four basic steps. When I heard that, I was like, oh, Dr. King, okay. He even got a little, little step system going on here, you know, and then he broke it down. Number one, collection of the facts to determine whether injustices are alive. Number two, negotiation. Number three, self-purification. And number four, direct action. And he went in and... <laughs> And so I, I was like, okay, Dr. King, like you, you go ahead, man. I'm just here to listen. I'm here to learn, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah. So, so I can't wait to, to dive into this for the next few minutes. Uh, Jeff, take it away, bro. Yeah. I know we, I know we got, we're short on time. And so, um, maybe I'll, I'll give us the context and then just what stood out to us and, and then um, leave it at that. I mean, we could we could make episodes of what Dr. King says here. Like, there's just so many like we could do a whole episode on the Birmingham letter. Yeah, like there's so many gems. Like, and basically, Dr. King had just um, this is a letter from Birmingham City Jail, and Dr. King had just uh, he's in in prison um, for being involved in a uh, civil rights demonstration and for participating in it and. Uh, this letter, he's basically writing to uh, Alab- uh, pastors in Alabama who were all white and published an open letter uh, to him that called on King to allow the battle for integration um, to continue, but at, at, at the, in the courts. Um, so essentially what they were saying, what you're doing, um, Dr. King, is it's not, it's not biblical and it's not right. Like what you're doing is it's causing a disturbance. You're disturbing the peace in a way. Yeah. Um, and then we'll get into what that means. And um, and so they warned King that his uh, non nonviolent resistance would have the effect of inciting civil disturbances. And what what he's really trying to get at is that he wanted those Christian ministers, pastors, to see that the meaning of discipleship to Jesus is and was at the heart of the African-American struggle for freedom, justice, and equality, which is kind of like, well, what we've been arguing. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are two things that, that come to my mind in this jail, uh, in this, in this letter uh, from, from uh, the city jail. Um, And it's what I see in the prophets in the old Testament. And um, this theologian, his name is Walter Brueggemann. He calls, he, he, he calls him this. He says that the prophets in the old Testament, they, they either, uh, prophetically criticize or they prophetically energize mm. um, and that pa- pa- uh, prophets know when to do what so prophetic criticism is what dr king is doing in this letter wow um, but i think at the same time he's trying to energize these this, these pastors to 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 again see that this is the way of jesus this is him this 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 fight for for the struggle for freedom is a part of following Jesus. And um, again, like you said, Dr. King's just his, I would say his versatility in fighting, like, like, like he's able to go in and talk about common people's struggles, 
and then he's able to weave out and and connect it to his like mm -hmm. his theology and and like i'm telling you like dr king knew where he was coming from he knew where he was operating from and and he had his grounding in all of this um but for me and and something that we've talked about that stands out to me um in this letter is it, it, it sums it up in this phrase and he says justice too long delayed is justice denied because essentially what these white pastors were telling dr king was just shut up and preach the gospel yeah um yeah. and let the courts do their work or just be patient or just be patient yeah and and that 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 statement there just be patient is used in to abuse is yeah. used to maintain the the status quo and 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 dr king he says that that usually privileged groups the reason why he was so set on protesting on marching on doing all these things is because privileged groups seldomly uh let their power go um when they have that power they don't they refuse to let it go yep um, and from from then to now this whole thing of and you've heard it on this podcast uh one day you're gonna have justice yeah. Not now, one day. You heard it on this podcast. Not from us, not from our mouth, but you heard yeah. it here. And that's what they would tell Dr. King. Um, just wait. Um, but uh, I want to mention this one thing, and then you guys could take over. I think for me, the, I mean, I don't know. The heart of this letter, though, um, the I would describe the little section as the myth. Of, he calls it the myth of time. Um, and basically what he means by that is that there's this he, he, man, it's just his language. There's a tragic misconception of time. And it is hmm. a strangely irrational notion that there is something in the very flow of time that will inevitably, inevitably cure all ills. And then he says, actually, time is neutral. It can be used either destructively or constructively. That's so, when so, good. Say, so when you say be patient, like the courts are going to do their jobs. When you say be patient, um, just, just, just hold on to the, or just, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know why the word's coming to me in Spanish. Uh, aguanta, just aguanta. <laughs> just hold just, on, just hold up. Yeah, just hold on a little just bit. hang longer. in there. Yeah. A little longer. Just take the oppression a little longer. Yeah. And you'll, you'll receive your freedom. Uh, but Dr. King says, that's a myth. That's not, that's not real. Like, yeah. what you're saying is. You're and how dare you? <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say. I just wanted to throw that out there. How dare you? Um, that's, that's <laughs> kind of threw me off. Like, <laughs> sorry, Jeff. <laughs> I, I got scared for a minute there. But I'm like, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> no, because uh, how how dare you? Like, how dare you say that from yeah. your position of privilege and from your yeah. position of not being oppressed? Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's why. Uh, they say that the language of patience is the language of the oppressor. Hmm. Um, and that's why, like, that's why the urgency to, to embody the gospel, right? Yeah. Embody the liberative gospel, because um, like you said, um, Larry, Dr. King perfectly embodies what it means to live this out. Like you'll, like you, you'll hear the white moderate, the white, uh, uh, conservatives say, you know what? Um, it'll come at the end. 
on that day of judgment, on the day of the Lord. But when you read Dr. King's theology, he sees that day. He sees the future. And he does say one day we'll obtain future justice. But I mean, perfect justice. But that does not mean we don't fight today. Like, yeah. like we're the body of Christ. Like we have to fight for it now. Um, and so Dr. King's ministry wasn't like, this is the way I imagine it. He had, he had one hand in front of him, reaching out, reaching for the person that was there. But he also had uh, one hand up in a way, acknowledging oh. like, in, acknowledging mm-hmm. like perfect justice will come. And, yeah. and the way I see is, I guess this is a weird image, but it's like having one eye looking down and one eye looking mm. up to heaven, like, it's coming, but it's mm. also here now, you know? Or even, I love that, man. What you just said made me think of, maybe just see, picture like you're grabbing, you're holding on to, to the people and just walking with them towards that perfect justice, that day to come. Like, but let's go. Let's, let's, let's walk towards it, you know? Let's not just wait around. Let's, let's head towards it, right? And not only that, like if 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 you want to get into like it's called eschatology and like Mm. the coming of the kingdom, like like it's coming. It's not we're not just going towards it. It's coming. Like whether we like it or not, whether we're involved or not, it's coming. Mm -hmm. What are we like you said, Larry? What are we gonna do? Yeah, right. Yo, (laughs) I wanted to. This is like a little random side note. It's not random because it's within that. that section that that uh, that Jeff was talking about and in the letter, but I love this. Like, yo, this is like one of those like witty moments. Like one of those like smart moments. Like of Dr. King, he says. So after that whole part, justice too long delayed is justice denied. We have waited for more than three hundred forty years for our constitutional and God given rights, and then he says this. He says, the nations of Asia and Africa are moving with jet-like speed toward the goal of political independence, and we still creep at horse and buggy pace toward the caning of a cup of coffee at a lunch counter. Yeah. <laughs> like a buggy. He says like a buggy, punch buggy. Yeah. <laughs> Not even a punch buggy, a horse buggy. <laughs> oh, my God. A horse buggy. And this, and this, let me tell you, this horse is not running. It's not. <laughs> he says, I guess, I guess it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait. And I felt like here, I really feel like I, I honestly pictured. And, and I kid you not, like I literally have like, I couldn't highlight just one like sentence, like one quote. I had to highlight the whole freaking paragraph. Because I feel like he went on a rant. And can I just read this real quick? Just just because I, I, this is one of the most impactful like sections for me. So he continues after that little cup of coffee at a lunch counter. He says, I guess it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait. But when you have seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, when you have seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, brutalize, and even kill your black brothers and sisters with impunity, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, 
When you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television and see tears welling up in her little eyes when she is told that Funtown is closed to colored children and see the depressing clouds of infer inferiority begin to form in her little mental sky. And see her begin to distort her to uh, distort her little personality by unconsciously developing a bitterness toward white people. When you have to concoct an answer for a five-year-old son asking in agonizing pathos or pathos, "Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean?" When you take a cross-country drive and find it necessary to sleep night after night in the uncomfortable corners of your automobile because no motel will, will accept you. When you are humiliated day in and day out by nagging signs reading white and colored. When your first name becomes and your middle name becomes boy, however old you are, and your last name becomes John, and when your wife and mother are never given the respected title Mrs., when you are harried by day and haunted by night by the by the fact that you are a Negro, living constantly at tiptoe stands, never quite knowing what to expect next, and plagued with inner fears, find it uh sorry, when and plagued with inner fears and outer resentments when you are forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness. Then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over and men are no longer willing to, pl to be plunged into an abyss of injustice where they experience the blackness of cor corroding despair. I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience. <laughs> I love that. I love how he went off, yo. Like he went off, right? And I don't know if that didn't, if that didn't make you feel some type of way, if that didn't like get you like emotional, I think there's a deeper like, there's something deeper that we have to talk about and that's empathy, right? Because when I, just hearing about, that the whole the whole thing of that six year old daughter having to tell her like yo you can't sorry you can't go to Fun Town because you're black because of the color of your skin right and so I love how he goes off and then at the end he says I hope sirs I hope sirs that you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience right so man I. <sighs> I just had no words with this. And, and when he talked about his six year, uh, his five year old son, right. And having to tell him, right. Uh, having, having to answer the question or, or try to attempt to answer the question, daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? So I just want to say this is the last thing I'm going to say before uh, giving it to, to, to Andy and Jeff. Today I watched a video. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with belief, the rapper belief, some say it's gonna be funny, but some, or or not some, but Germs said that he was my twin. He's like my black twin. <laughs> so when you see him, you're probably gonna be like, "Yo." So, anyways, he so he started off as a Christian rapper, or this is when I discovered him. He was a Christian rapper, um, but he 
has like gone like he's a YouTube a YouTube star now. Um and because he did and I think he did what he did was so dope. He created this uh YouTube channel called Belief in Fa- Belief in Fatherhood. So as a a double entendre there, right? Like believe him who is now in fatherhood and just believing in fatherhood and specifically in black fatherhood. So anyways, he he tells stories and shows us the lives of what it looks like to be a father and him having to learn how to, you know, be a good father. But today I saw this video of him telling his 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 two his two boys. uh, Talk having to talk with them about police and racism. And yo, I can't like. I lost it, man. Like I, I like just seeing, especially him telling the youngest, like, like they literally had to explain to him, you know, some people, for and they started first by 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 affirming them, right? Saying, "Yo, you know, you're smart, you're loving, you know, you care, you're so caring of others. You notice this, you notice that. You're you're amazing." But when others Sometimes when others see you, specifically when white people see you, they sometimes fear you because they think they automatically think you are bad because of the color of your skin. And you just see these kids like just look at their skin like, you know, and just trying to process that. And and man, that that hit me, bro. Like I was like, you know, even like. As hard as I've as I've had it, right? As a Hispanic, I could say, you know, and I and I and us Hispanics do go through discrimination and all that too, right? But man, I, my par- my parents honestly never had to have that conversation with me, and I hear time and time again from my black brothers, my, from my specifically black males, how they have to. You know, they th- their parents had to have this conversation with them, and now they're having this conversation with their kids in order to protect them. And it goes back to what you were saying, Jeff, the whole dehumanization, right? Dehumanizing somebody. Because now, you know, before even knowing you, I'm already afraid of you, right? And 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 let me be honest, man, like I'll be straight up. I grew I grew up very hesitant towards towards black people because even I got taught that right even in 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 my community right and so obviously that changed because I grew up in a predominantly black community so a lot of my friends my teachers were black you know so <clears throat> so I discovered the truth right but Yo, just think about that. You you know what what Jeff mentioned the the humanizing, and also the the I that's where I noticed the dehumanizing of what 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 Jeff mentioned of the white person too. Because now this kid cannot trust you because of what he was just told, right? And for some of you, y'all may condemn the the that conversation because of that. Because now you're gonna say, well, now he's not gonna trust people, right? But that's the reality that we live in, where they have to have that conversation in order to protect their children. 
right? And so, man, that was that was heartbreaking. Just reading that, reading that right now, you know, just just brought that up. But any closing comments from you guys, man, before we before we wrap this up? But I do, I I would want to like have an episode where we break this down and even contextualize because I feel like we could contextualize so much of this letter to to us now. So maybe. Maybe even after next episode, because we already got next episode ready to go in a way. Um, but maybe after that episode, we could dive back into the Birmingham, to the letter of the Birmingham Joe. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add, I got the Spark Notes version, which I'm very, which I am still very shook by because it quotes, it quotes like what he says. And of course, like, I'm going to take my time to read it. And if you're listening, you should. Um, and and it's crazy because I've always shared a passion of, oh, I've always shared a passion of like telling someone they're wrong in a very educational way, but because they are wrong. Like it's, it's not like there's, oh no, well, no. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because this, this letter isn't even like this letters to, for people to like, people can help him. Like it's not, but he's using it as like, this is what happened. And this is what's going on. Like, open your eyes. Um, and as, as we're reading through the summary, he compared, he, he says like, you may call me an extremist. Like, you may call me, like, this is extreme. Like, you going to jail for, for something is extreme. But I believe there was extreme people that, that have come before me. And he mentions Jesus. He says, Jesus was extreme. Hmm. Like this, that he that was, was good. Yeah, that that part was. I good. was like, "What?" And then he says, "Abraham Lincoln was extreme." And if you're, and if this is what extreme is, that I am, I'm calling an extremist because I'm fighting for something I believe in. Calling yeah. a creative extremist is what he says. Mm-hmm. That's insane. And then he, I was like, "Yo, like, let's just focus on that." But obviously, yeah. there's a lot. And then he's like, "Yo, like, and I'm disappointed in you." Christian, and then he says, "White Christians, like I'm disappointed in you," and I'm like, "Damn, like this." He just called them out, but it's not like I'm gonna, I'm gonna just push myself away. It's more like, "Come here, let me show you." Like, come here, I want to show you what's going on. Yeah, so you could understand. It's not a listen to what I have to say. It's more like, "Come here, like let me show you why I am disappointed because you have chose." to ignore what's going on. You choose yourself over everyone every single time. And ultimately you're going to, you're going to go to ruins because of it. Mm. And ultimately your church will no longer exist because of it. And he's like, you guys are cowards. Like you guys are cowards. And the fact, and Larry said this, the fact that you could contextualize that to today still Obviously, yeah. it's not as bad as it was before. At least I choose to believe that. Yeah. Even though we never know, I choose to believe that it's better. But I definitely believe it could get better. We need to learn. Yeah. From Dr. King. Let me let me read that part real quick, just so people Dale. get the context of it. Yes, sir. It says, but, but as I continue to think about the matter, I gradually gained a bit of satisfaction from being considered an extremist. Was not Jesus an extremist in love? Love your, and he quotes Jesus, right? Love your enemies, 
love your enemies, bless them that, that curse you, pray for, for them that despitefully use you. And then he says, was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Was not Paul an extremist for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Was not Martin Luther an extremist? Here I stand, I can do none other, so help me God. Was not John uh, Bunyan an extremist? I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a, a, a butchery of my conscience. Was not Abraham Lincoln an extremist? This nation cannot survive half slave and half free. Was not Thomas Jefferson an extremist? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, are all men are created equal. So the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we, will we be? Will we be extremists for wow. hate or, we, or will we be extremists for love? Wow. And will we be for extremists for preservation of injustice or will we be extremists for the cause of justice? Wow. I I'm just going to close it with this statement because we could go on and I'm very, yeah. I'm re really looking forward to that, to that podcast. Um, but I'm, I'm, and it, I think this is what both bodies are about. Like we're just trying to share first our experience, but ultimately by bringing guests, their experience and expose people to what people have gone through mm. and the reason why we're bold the reason why it's bold is because people tend to not want to talk about this yeah. in the church yeah christians are like nah, 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 this is a shy topic let's not talk about it this is why it's bold and bold barrio is like you need to be bold yeah. Or else nothing's gonna happen. And if you call us extremists for being bold, we will be extremists for love, like Dr. King says. Mm. And yeah. that's that's basically it. Like, and if you want to be a part of this movement, because we believe ultimately it could drive that, we want to be part of your movement too. We help each other here. And LOD, like everything, like is it's coming together type thing. And mm. And I think there's moments in life where you realize, like, what can I really do? Am I really going to just sit back and watch the show or, or do I'm going to stand up and be part of it? Everyone that was before Dr. King did that. And then Dr. King said, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to bring others with me. Hmm. So if you believe what we're saying, don't just do it on your own, please. Like, it's, it's not going to be beneficial. Do it with more people. And I, I look forward to this, this next episode. This next episode is going to be dope. I've been studying it for a while now. But the next about, the, about Birmingham, about Dr. King, it's going, to be, it's going to be impactful. Yeah. Dope, dope. Jeff? Yeah, last comment. Um, man, good stuff. Um, I think um, I love that. Uh, just how Dr. King, like the way he just turns things, huh? Yeah. Um, but just uh, two things I want to say. And... It, Going, getting back to the dehumanization of people, like um, it, we we dehumanize one another. Mm. That's why it, it that's why it concerns all of us. It's good, you know. Um, and and I really appreciate that from Dr. King's theology that that he sees the interconnectedness, like the interconnected nature of hum, of, of human beings, and a lot of times. Um, uh, we don't see it that way. Like we'll say things like, uh, who cares? Like that doesn't affect me or, um, 
oh, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. Like, who cares? Like, um, I'm going to just do my, I'm going to just put my head down and grind. Um, but that's not how it has to be. Like, that's not yeah. how it should be. Um, and then the last thing is just remembering that um, fighting for, for people, um, being in the struggle for people's freedoms um, is not just some political gimmick, you know, like, like what I see in Dr. King is that he sees God all over it. He yeah. sees God like as the initiator of movements like that. And, and it's just amazing. Like, um, for me, like I grew up in a culture where, uh, you know, kind of, you know, getting into the church where, um, there's a lot of talk of revival, you know, like hmm. spiritual awakening and stuff like that. And I believe in that. Um, but what I, what Dr. King has done for me is expanded what that means, you know? And for me, it means like that God is in sometimes the places we least imagine um, and doing things that, that we probably aren't thinking about, but it's should good. be thinking about. Um, and that's another thing God, uh, uh, Dr. King gets into about God in this letter. Um, and so he's really shaped how I see um, um, just the kingdom of God and, and how it works and, and how God moves. And, and it's just, it's just amazing. And I just want to recommend some, some, some books. Yeah. Um, uh, first a movie. Cause I know people really like movies. Oh, by the way, if you're listening to this episode, you got to watch, Judas and the Black Messiah. Facts. Um, going back to what we talked about last week, um, um, it it's just crazy, man. The way it ended for Dr. King, like, like um, you look at the life of Dr. King and you look at the life of many of these Black political activists, and it ends the same. Um, mm. And that's crazy, you know. They're always labeled as extremists, um, and. Um, the movie, uh, there's a movie I recommend, and it's called um, King in the Wild. Um, it's on, I, I, I saw it on Amazon, um, and, it, and it gets into his um, his uh, life and the things he went through. And Dr. King, for all the glamour, had it really tough. Um, and imagine having the FBI coming after you and in, in the daily things you do, from getting a haircut to potentially being able to see a therapist. Dr. King couldn't couldn't do some of those things because wow. the FBI was trying to get them and, and it sucks. Um, and then another book that I recommend is whenever uh, usually people bring up Dr. King, they also, they also bring up uh, Malcolm X. Mm. And usually Malcolm X is, is villainized as the more um, um, violent. violent one, but that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. um, um, if you really read his stuff, uh, he was pretty um, bold about what he said, um, but it, it's rooted in, there's some things I don't agree with, um, um, but one of the things I love about Malcolm X is, is the way he would use and read scripture um, and the way he just had a heart for his community too. He just, he just, he saw things a different way. Um, and, you know, it, it's crazy because the civil rights movement, it wasn't a monolithic movement. It, it was diverse as well, you know? Yeah. Um, and just like many other movements, they're diverse. Um, um, but one of the things I love about Malcolm X is that, that, that I always remember is 
in one of his speeches, he talks, he compares himself to uh, the prophet Ezekiel. Um, and he quotes Ezekiel 37, where Ezekiel is, um, is calling for us to dry bones. And he says, and, and he just says that I, God has called me to be an Ezekiel to you. And, and my, my job is, is to awaken you. Wow. Um, to awaken you to like everything that's going on. And, and you read those kind of things and you can't help but like tell yourself and ask God, like, God, use me that way. Hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I recommend, oh, the book, sorry, the book is called uh, Malcolm and, and Martin in America by James Cone. And it's a side by side reading of Malcolm X and Dr. King. And wow. I was their speeches, what they went through. And Dr. James Cone, who is also an African American theologian, offers a synthesis of both of them. And um, he describes um, Martin Luther King's experience as, um, as uh, the dream like pursuing a dream and he describes Malcolm X's experience as a nightmare because um, Malcolm X in his writings uh, talks about his uh, uh, um, uh, an experience as African-American in the U.S. as a nightmare. So mm. he represents the dream. Malcolm X uh, represents the, the nightmare. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I really recommend that book. It's, it's good. Say less. It's it's, it's being added to the list. <laughs> awesome guys. Well, look, thank you for joining in. And uh, yo, check this out. So for those of you that stuck through it, I'm gonna give you. I'm I'm just gonna tell you what what next week's gonna be because you stuck through it. All right. So is that cool, Jeff and Andy? Is that cool? Yeah, that's fair. Yo, so next week we diving into some hip hop. Mm-hmm. And. More, more specifically, hip hop and the gospel, and some connections there, specifically in one particular al- album, and I'm talking about Good Kid, Mad City yes, by sir. Kendrick Lamar. All right, so y'all might be like, "What? What y'all talking about?" If Pyros and Crips all got along, they probably gonna gun me down by the end of the song. You might be thinking like, "Yo, what? What are you talking about? The gospel?" You're going to have to come next week. All right. So thank you for joining in. This was the Bold Barrio Podcast.